Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this critically important question, how do we disciple Gen Z? Yeah, you know, we are beginning a series of talks on Gen Z. I know that I have a lot of parents and grandparents of Gen Zers and my audience. So this is such an important and necessary topic. Raising this generation comes with some unique challenges and bridges to gap. We'll be talking about that in future episodes. But in today's episode, we are going to have a vital discussion on how we can disciple this generation. Joining me today is Dana Shea, a marriage coach and host of the podcast Real Relationship Talk, which is a marriage and relationship podcast that delivers inspirational and real relationship advice for your most intimate relationships. Definitely check out Dana's podcast. It is awesome. I know you'll love it, especially after listening to her today. Her podcast is to marriage what this podcast is to parenting. Dana has four kiddos herself, and she is passionate about discipleship and this next generation. So today, she will be sharing with us her expert first-hand advice on how to disciple Gen Z. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Dana, I am so excited to have you here on Christian Parent Crazy World. Welcome to the program. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. Oh, so excited. So excited. We've had a great talk on your show, which will be airing at some point. I'll certainly cross promote that uh, for the kids. We were talking about being culturally aware. And I think this one just falls so in line with that. How can we reach this next generation? I think we should start off by defining in case any parents out there don't know exactly what Generation Z is. Demographers suggest that it's anywhere. I think most of them are pretty clear that Gen Z starts with people who are born around 1997. Mm-hmm. And it goes up to anywhere from, I've saw most of them end around 2010. Some even say it extends to 2015. So suffice to say, if you have a teenager or tween right now or a young adult, that you are raising and discipling a Gen Zer. So um, why don't you share with our audience, how many Gen Zers do you have in your home or have you raised? Yes, all of my kids. I have four kids and they are all Gen Z. So I've got a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 23-year-old. Mm-hmm. So fun, fun times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. So why don't we just dive right in? You know, the statistics right now are saying that as many as 50%, as much as 50% of people, young people will disengage from the faith once they get into the college age years. And um, I think Barna came out with recent research that says 4%, only 4% of the Gen Z generation have a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. So how do we go about discipling this generation? We've got to be very intentional about it, don't we, Dana? Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because when I think of that very sobering statistic, 4% that have a biblical worldview, I'm like, that's is where the parents have dropped the ball because parents, a lot of times I see it. I see Christian parents, really great parents, amazing parents, well-intended parents, not discipling their children. They'll leave it up to the church or they will, if their kids are in Christian school, they'll leave it up to the school, but they've kind of abandoned their post. And I don't believe that it's ill-intended. I don't believe that parents hate their children and therefore they're not discipling them. I feel like parents a lot of times are overwhelmed. Maybe they feel like their faith isn't strong enough or they don't have what it takes to teach their children. And so inadvertently, culture raises them and other belief systems raise them. And therefore, we we are left within a very, very minuscule statistic, 4% of our kids who actually have and hold fast to a biblical worldview. Oh, my goodness. And I think you're right. We have dropped the ball if, if they're in that 4%, because while we can't make them choose it, we can, at the very least, it is our responsibility to make sure they know what the scriptures teach. We were talking about this in the podcast we just recorded for your show, Real Relationship Talk. And, you know, we want to teach them about other worldviews. We want to teach them about other belief systems and securing the knowledge that the truth will prevail. But we do need to make sure that when it comes to the church, when it comes to the school, that's supplemental. They're supplementing what we do in the home. They're not in place of what we do in the home. And like you said, I think a lot of parents don't see it that way, do they? No, not at all. You know, I think a lot of parents, and I'm looking up that I always get the scripture. It's in Deuteronomy where Moses is telling 
the parents basically how to raise their children in the faith. And he's telling them to basically, you know, teach your children about the faith everywhere that you go, whether you're walking Mm -hmm. along the road or whether you are sitting at the table, you know, whatever you're doing, teach them, write these these commands on the tablets of your heart and then teach them to your children. And so I know in our household, we really make faith a part of everyday life. It's what we're doing. We see something on the news. You know, that's a perfect opportunity to introduce biblical concepts to say, Mm -hmm. you know, wow, look at that. There was just a a shooting here recently in Colorado. There was a a man who went into a LGBTQ bar and basically killed like all these people. Right. So how does that how do we take that news story and introduce biblical worldviews? How do we teach our children that though we may not agree with people's lifestyle, we do not have ever the right to go and take someone's life? You know, we do not get that privilege at all. That is not godly. That is not of God. That was a demonic, hateful act. How do we teach our children through things that we see in culture? When we see things on social media where Christians are arguing about things politically, you know, how do we teach our children how to have strong values and how to have strong viewpoints and stand up for your viewpoints, but do it in graceful ways where you're not tearing down somebody else for their viewpoint. So I think if we can look at kind of some of these everyday, we don't have to go outside of what's happening in our everyday lives, but how can you look at some of these everyday type situations and introduce like how would Jesus treat his neighbor? When Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, when Jesus then said, pray for those who despitefully use you, pray and love your enemies. Like, what does that look like in action? And how can we parents show that Not just tell them that, but then how can we actually show our children by how we are treating those who are different than us, those who we may disagree with or those who we might not even, quote, like? We have a lot of practice with that in our culture these days because we're, as Christians, what we believe, the truth that we believe uh, is not something that our culture adheres to. I love the verses you mentioned. Uh, I think it's Deuteronomy 11 verses 18 through 21. That's one that I, I, I create scripture songs. And that's when I, I haven't recorded this one yet, but that's one of the ones I did because it's it's kind of my mission as a parent. I think it's all of our missions as a parent. It's Deuteronomy 11 verses 18 through 21. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, bind them as it talks about binding them on your forehead and on your hands. They were phylacteries is what they would do. And they would walk around with the word of God literally bound to their heads. And he says, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, it's all about discipleship. That is exactly what Moses was talking about and Deuteronomy there. So I love that you brought that back to the word and how we're supposed to be loving those who we disagree with. Certainly not, you know, in any like what happened in the tragedy that happened in Colorado recently. But so that brings us back to where I think we have to start in our efforts as in discipling the next generation. That's back to the word. How have you made the word of God central in your discipling with your kids? Yeah. You know, I grew up, I was really, really blessed to grow up in a household where my mother loved the word of God, like she cherished the word of God. And she she was also a teacher by trade and by spiritual gifting. So her vocation was a teacher, but she is a teacher through and through. So my mother would not only did she have this amazing love for the word of God, but she taught it in such a way that gave me a hunger and a passion for the word of God at a very early age. 
And the word was a part of everything that we did. I grew up in a super solid, biblically based church where everything was centered on the word of God. So I kind of have like this in-baked experience of putting God's word first and foremost. Now, that does not mean that I was a perfect kid and that I didn't go off the rails because I absolutely did. But I came back because God's word was implanted in me from the time that I was little. And so I would say, first and foremost, start there. A lot of parents think, oh, well, this is, you know, my three-year-old, this is too much for them. But I and most children that age, they're like sponges. This is why when you want to teach a child a foreign language, the best time to start is the younger they are, because kids can absorb so much at young ages. So for our kids, we did have our kids in Christian school, especially in the earlier years. And we, that that was an addition, though. Like we didn't just depend on the Christian school to teach our kids. That was reinforcing what we were teaching our kids. So we would make up little songs about the word of God, you know, just little stuff I would make up around the house. Of course, because they were at Christian school, they would learn songs. They would learn their books of the Bible. We made the word of God fun. We read all the stories. Right. And sometimes we would like act out the stories. We really really wanted the word of God to be exciting and fun, not a drudgery. We didn't want our kids to read the Bible and not know what they were reading. So we got them translations that were on their level. And we talked about the word. I would ask my kids certain things, like if we're talking about Moses and in the story of how God delivered the children of, of Israel from Egypt, we talked about slavery. We talked about, you know, when God said, when God was angry, Right. Like we talked about God has emotions. He told Moses, I'm going to kill everybody and start over. You know, like how many parents can relate to that? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like we we really wanted God to be very relatable to our kids. We didn't. Yes, he's holy and sovereign and amazing. But we didn't want our kids to see God as this like lofty being who they couldn't relate to. So we loved we, we would dig deep into like the emotions of God and You know, when God would be sad, we would talk about, you know, look at God. He created these people to love him and to worship him and to have a relationship with him. He wanted to be their friend. And they kept choosing idols like they kept choosing another friend. How how would that make you feel if you maybe bought your little friend a snack or a little treat at lunch and you were just so excited to spend time with them and, you know, they came and took your snack and then they ran off and they went to go play with a whole nother group of friends all the time. Like, how would that make you feel? And then, you know, little kids, three, four, five years old can be like, oh, that would make me feel really sad. They can relate to the heart, the father heart of God in that way. And so, you know, you don't have to know a whole bunch of scripture. I think, again, like when I'm teaching parents, whether it be in a workshop or wherever I'm at, I'm always telling you don't have to know from Genesis to Revelation. You just have to be able to be, first of all, relatable to your children and let them know that just as you are learning, they're learning, but also to make God Not that we need to make him relatable because he already is, but how to frame him in such a way that kids can receive him. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of what we did, especially in the earlier years. We focused on content, but we really more so than content. I didn't want my kids just to know the scripture. I wanted them to experience the God of the scriptures. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. 
This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. I love that. I absolutely love that. Reminds me of a verse. It's Psalm 103, verse 7, that he made known, God made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. There's a difference in knowing God by his deeds, what he does, his creation, and then truly knowing him by his ways. When you know, you know, you know your spouse by their ways, that you know your children by their ways. What we want to encourage our kids to do, like Moses, is to know him by his ways, to understand. And I love, love, love the way you talk about, I'm going to do that with my kids this week. I'm excited. I have my little ones because I still, we were talking about your kids are a little bit older. I've still got seven and, oh, he just turned eight, eight and five-year-old. And just talking about the emotions of God, that is a great way to help them relate to God. How does God feel here? Because we're made in his image. And if we're made in his image, we're emotional creatures. And I think you can still carry that on into the tween and teen years and into adulthood. So how did you go about discipling and teaching your older kids? Uh, Because those were such great tips for the younger kids. What did you do as they got older to help them understand who God is? Yeah, well, this is where we are now. Like, this is like real life, right? And so, you know, I would be remiss to say, like, culture does have a strong pull on our kids. And if we don't understand that going into it, we will underestimate the devil's hand. Like, he's his playbook. He does the same thing over and over and over. So we have to be wise to his schemes. And we have to understand the world is attractional. The Bible says sin has its pleasure for a season. So if we tell our kids that, you know, the world is awful, terrible, bad, you don't want any parts of it. They're like, actually, it it, it feels pretty good, you know? So we just have to say like, yeah, sin does have its pleasure for a season. And Mm -hmm. as the kids get older, we share more of our life experience with them. We share a lot about our failures. We share about like, I have a whole story of how I backslid and had a teen pregnancy in the mix and all that stuff, you know? And that is where we can relate to our older kids a little bit more to say, hey, you know, I know that, for example, we've got a son who's dating right now. Mm -hmm. So we're just really honest with our kids. And we say things like, you know what? We know that you've got some feelings for this girl that are completely natural and normal. There is nothing wrong with you. And as a matter of fact, as your relationship progresses, there are going to be things that you are going to want to experience with her. However, let's go to what the word says about our sexuality and what sex is and who it's designed for. Are you ready to be a father? No? Okay. Well, guess what? Sex is for people who are ready to be fathers. Okay. <laughs> Amen to that. You know what I mean? So it's like take not just being like, don't have sex. End of story. Which is why yes. a lot of us grew up that way. You know, like yeah. our parents didn't really teach us about things. They just gave us the rule and closed the book. But if we are able to say to our kids, I understand that you're having those feelings. 
I understand that you might want to try vaping. It looks cool, right? They've got all these different flavors and you might not think anything is wrong with that. Okay. What does the word say about how we're to treat our bodies? Do you know what's in a vape? Like what's in there? Let's research it together. Let's find out what's out. It's nicotine, but it's also chemicals in there that it's actually even worse than cigarettes because they have all these additives and things like that. So if you were to vape, you would probably look pretty cool. Everybody's vaping, right? But what kind of damage do you think that that would do to your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And let them sit with that question a little bit. So we are really focused on the teenagers and even our older kids, our adult kids still come to us for advice, which I love because Mm. to me, that's just like such a great privilege that sometimes I'm like, okay, remember, I'm still your mom. I don't need to know all of that. (laughs) But I'm grateful that they feel comfortable to come and talk to us about their sometimes their challenges or their fears or their concerns or whatever it is, but pointing them, always pointing them back to the word of God. And instead of telling, and you said this on one of your shows, instead of telling our kids what to think, showing them how to think, showing them how to come to certain decisions. And we would not be truly loving our kids if we did not tell them the truth. Listen, son, you can choose to have sex outside of marriage. I'm not always going to be around. I'm not always going to be watching you. So you can choose that, but you need to understand that these are the consequences to that decision Just like these are the consequences to the other decision. When God was always talking to the children of Israel, he always gave them a choice. He said, you can choose life or death, blessings and cursings, Mm -hmm. right? He always laid that out before them and said, if you choose life, you're going to live. Your kids are going to live. Your generation is going to be blessed. You're going to have, you know, my favor, all of that. But if you choose death, then this is what's going to happen. And so Mm -hmm. as Christian parents, we have to be willing to show our kids the full truth But I think to always be an open book and let them understand that home is the place. Somebody told me years ago, home is the place where you want your kids to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's the place where you want them to fail and fall because it should be a safe enough space for you to pick them back up, to extend to them that grace and that mercy. Just like you were talking about in Psalm 103, it talks about how God like a father is compassionate to his children, that he understands that we are just dust. Well, where do kids learn about the compassion of God? They learn it Mm -hmm. from the compassion of their parents. When they mess Mm -hmm. up, when they make mistakes, and I'm literally living this right now. I have teenagers. We have lots and lots of opportunities (laughs) to show show grace and mercy and compassion. And we don't always get it right. But this is the thing. When you don't get it right as a parent, you go before your kids and you repent. You humble yourself. And you say, you know what? I really messed up. I lost my temper. I allowed my fear to get in the way. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And kids are resilient. They'll forgive you. They'll respect you more. And then you've shown them what repentance looks like. So even in your own mistakes, you can still be discipling your children. Mm-hmm. That is so good. I have talked about that frequently on this show, you know, because I do get it wrong. I'm I'm very emotional being, you know, my husband's pretty even kill. My background was in theater, though. So using emotions was literally what I got paid to do. And, you know, I, I sometimes I get it wrong and I fly off the handle or I'm, you know, I don't react rightly. And I've had to go back and, you know, say, hey, man, mommy screwed up. 
And that's a great thing to model for your kids. That's a huge discipling moment there when I can say, this is what we do when we get it wrong. And I love using each of the things our kids are going through, not just mindlessly allowing that little moment to go by, uh, the, you know, the vaping issue, but to have those conversations and be pointing them back. And the way I, I think you, it shows you're doing a great job when your kids are adults and they still come and ask you for advice. So kudos there. My kids, um, I don't have my first out of the house yet. So that is my hope. That is my prayer that we've done a good enough job that we've earned the right to keep speaking into their lives. I've talked about the four stages of of development as a, a for our kids. The first one being like you're the full-time caregiver all the time. All you're doing is, you know, feeding and bathing and making sure all of their needs are taken care of. But then you become the cop where you're like, no, don't do that because you don't want them to, you know, hurt themselves. But then, you know, that's kind of most of adolescence. Then you get in those tween years and you start to become the coach. You're not just, and that's where discipling goes in those tween years to high school. You're coaching them, you know, not just saying don't do that, but here's like you said, with the vaping issue, here's why we probably, you know, it's not a good idea to vape. And here's, you know, and having a conversation and having a conversation about sex. If you're not ready to be a dad, then you're not ready for sex. Um, Yeah, but then issues like tattoos, you know, where people are all over the map. I've got kids that are interested in that. I'm like, well, let's let's just talk about that. Have those conversations as they come up. And then finally, you end up in the counselor phase as your kids are moving on. And that's what you've become. And hopefully you've established enough street cred with them and enough trust with them that they're still willing to come back to you. Mm-hmm. And so if they're doing that with you, then I know we've got a good source here to, <laughs> to talk to about how to disciple your kids here. So what are some of your favorite resources that you can think of that you've used with your kids over the years? The Bible. No. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's the Bible, seriously. But then there are, you know what I do is I try to find books from authors that my kids like. For example, Lecrae wrote a book called Unashamed, where it's pretty like he goes all the way there telling about his testimony. And so because my kids like rap music, you know, now Christian rap, that's a whole nother story. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like, I mean, there are some really good artists, but some of it is like, okay, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, let's just not do that. Okay. But so when I find someone that I feel like they can really speak the language in a godly way, but they can connect with this generation, I'm like, okay, I'm all over that resource. And this is the thing. I don't try to push too many resources on my kids because I feel that a lot of times when we're like, okay, you need to look at this. You need, sometimes kids feel like if my parent thinks it's cool, it's not really cool. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so I'm like, so sometimes what I'll do is I'll be scrolling through. You got to be on the socials now. I believe that like you got, even if you're not like on there every day, just at least have an account so that you can see what our kids are being exposed to so that you can see so that you can kind of know the lingo a little bit, you know. So whenever I try to like speak <laughs> in my kids language, they're like, oh, mom, please don't. Don't do that, mom. Please don't. You know, because they don't want you like talking, you know, like they're slaying or whatever. So it's kind of a joke in the house. But I will find something on Instagram. There was Mike Todd. Actually, he has a, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He has a huge church transformation church in Oklahoma City. And so Mike Todd He is a pastor, but he also has he's very like creative and they have this whole media department in their church and not Oklahoma City. I'm sorry, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so he and his church just came out with this like song 
And the song was number one, like the first day it was released, it was number one on the Billboard charts for Christian rap, I think. But then it topped the Billboard 100 for all music everywhere. Like, and so I told my son, I'm like, look, look at this. Like, this is just like this Christian, this church, you know, with like this man who's using his creativity for the kingdom. Like, look at, let's listen to this song together, you know? And so little things like that that I'm finding. I just found that on Instagram. I didn't find that in, you know, Christianity yeah. Today. I'm just scrolling through the news feed and I find this. So I just try to show up in where my kids already are. I think a lot of times like parents, we want to like bring our kids to our side, bring our kids to our side, but we have to show up where they are and not be afraid of like where they are or what's attracting them. But to say, hey, if you're on the social media platform, I'm going to get up there and kind of see what's going on a little bit. Hey, if you're interested in these books, like thankfully my kids never really got into like the whole like wizards and all of that, mm-hmm. like with Harry Potter and all that stuff. But I'm like, if they would have been interested in that, I probably would have read the books just so that I can know instead of just being like, you're not allowed to read that. Like, yeah. okay, let me let me figure, let me read this and see what this is all about, you know? And my kids will come to me now, especially all my kids love to read. Well, one mm-hmm. one child. I won't out that child, but other than one <laughs> child, yeah, they all love to read. And so a lot of times they'll be like, oh, mom, you need to read this book. I'm interested in that book. That's a book for teenage boys. You know what I mean? I'm not right about that book, but I'm like, but because they asked me to read it, I sure better read that book. Yeah. Why? It's got, they, they want me. Why do they want me to read that book? Because Mm -hmm. they want to have conversations with me. Oh, yeah. So as a parent, they are literally opening up a door into their world. I would be crazy not to walk through that door and to say, let me read that book. Now, if I read the book and I'm like, oh, my Lord, what in the world am I reading? This is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Which hasn't happened, by the way. They have actually really good taste in books. But like if I were to read that, then there's just another conversation that we can have where I can say, you know what? I read that book. I've got some some pretty significant concerns about some of the things. What did you like about the book? Instead of like, that's trash. That's horrible. I can't believe that you're reading something like that. When we respond that way, our kids shut down. They never let us back into, they never give us access into their world. But if we can say, you know what? Like we were talking earlier, Catherine, my faith isn't going to falter because I'm reading something that maybe I don't necessarily agree with that my child invited me into. Now I can just use that as, again, another tool to disciple them right where they are. Oh, that is so important because... Our kids are going to be encountering things. So we want to, you know, like you said, we want to to walk through that while they're still in the home and have those opportunities where, okay, all the kids are reading this. You know, I ended up reading the Hunger Games. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's a trilogy. That mm-hmm. was There was four movies, I guess, in the when they made them into movies. But I ended up reading that because all the kids were like all of their friends were reading it. So I'm like, well, I guess I better, you know understand what's going on here. What is this message about? And, you know, there was actually uh, some value there, you know, in, in terms of the storytelling and the and and the message, you know, Katniss Everdeen is this this character that has some, you know, she's very sacrificial and loving. She sacrifices her own life for her sister. I mean, wow, how cool is that? You know, you can have some really rich conversations and I've actually used it to witness to people before, you know, 
being in tune with, you know, is it something I would ordinarily gravitate towards? No. But because of my kids, I, I want to be in tune with what they're encountering, their world. And so I love what you're saying. Really, discipling is looking for those opportunities with our kids to enter their world. Right. And to see it through their eyes, but also enlighten them as their primary guide in life and one of the most important mentors that they're ever going to have to be able to point them back to Christ Mm -hmm. continually. I think that's awesome. So we just have a couple of minutes left here, but why don't you tell me what are some of the unique obstacles you think we need to to overcome in reaching uh, this this generation we're raising for Christ? I think because the culture has decided that if you say God, Jesus, anything remotely faith-based, we were talking about this earlier, that there is a label that, that that is placed on us. And so avoiding allowing people to box you in, you know, so some of the obstacles that we face, even as we're discipling our kids, is sometimes if we lead with the wrong words, then our kids will shut down. If we are trying to make uh, some sort of stance, like I'm, I'm really careful when I'm talking to my kids, even if I'm passionate about something, I can't lead with that passion about that particular stance. I have to be very intentional about how I am addressing my kids because I don't want them to shut down. But I think another obstacle is just knowing that the enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. So the Bible says that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So there are always opportunities. The enemy is looking for an open door. Usually that's through offense and unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so being aware of his schemes, right? That's what the word teaches. Like we are not ignorant of his schemes. So I think one of the biggest obstacles is if people don't believe that we have an enemy (laughs) and and our enemy is not here. Like the Bible says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not another person. The enemy is the prince of the power of the air. It is Satan himself who can use people. He can use circumstances and situations and et cetera. But we have to understand that we have an enemy who is always looking for an open door, who is always looking to see how he can steal, kill and destroy. And this is why you have godly parents whose kids are committing suicide. You have godly parents whose kids don't want to have anything to do with the church. It's not always because the parent didn't do their job. So let me make that very clear. I know incredibly godly, loving parents whose children have chosen a different path. And it's 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 sad. It's, you know, shocking sometimes. But someone told me years ago, set me free, is that God was the perfect and is the perfect parent. And his kids mm-hmm. still rebelled, you know? Amen. So as I like, said that too. Do our, part, do our part, do what we're called to do. Don't drop your, you know, your end of the ball. God has given us a baton. You know, we have been entrusted to raise these children. They are not ours. They are on loan. So we're going to have to present them back to the Lord. And so in doing that, understanding that, yes, it's a responsibility. And yes, it's a big responsibility. But knowing that if your children do go off the rails, if they decide that this Christian thing isn't for me anymore, it does not mean that you're a bad parent. If you have been diligent to do your job, all you can do, first of all, prayer, huge. Yes. Hover your children in prayer. I was talking with one of our pastors today. I'm a pastor at my church. I'm talking to this other pastor. We're in a meeting today. And he told me, I was asking him about his kids. His kids are like in their 30s now. And they're like strong, godly men. And he was telling me like, my kids were 
insane when they were teenagers. Like he's telling me all about like their whole story and just how he he was like, you would never when they were kids, you would never think that they would be who they are today. And so we talked for quite a bit about, you know, just different challenges and things like that. But one of the things that he kept saying is we kept bringing them before the Lord. We kept bringing them before the Lord. We would pray for our kids. They would be acting crazy. We would pray for them. My wife and I would go. We would pray for them. And so prayer is huge. So I think if a parent is like, I don't know the word, I don't know the scripture, we all should know how to pray. So lift those kids up before the Lord every single time they come to your mind. You know, there'll be times during the day that God might drop one of my kids in my heart. And I'm like, why am I thinking about that particular kid? I don't know. I just start praying for him because I don't know what they're going through. They're at school. Maybe they're being picked on. Maybe they're being challenged. Maybe they're being tempted. I don't know. But in that moment, praying for them. And then secondly, I don't even remember what your question was, Catherine, but... Uh, it was just, just some of the obstacles that we were obstacles. facing. That's, yeah, that's right. So warring against the enemy for sure. Yeah, that overcomes obstacles there for sure. That's right. Culture number two. Mm-hmm. I think three, and this is, you know, I, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to stop because this is a soapbox for me. But when we're going through stuff, especially in our own marriages, any kind of disunity or any kind of, you know, we're having relationship problems, then that can be an obstacle because that's all we're focused on is like our marriage problems or even financial problems, issues that we might be having in our lives. And then our kids kind of get the tail end of the stick. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be really just cognizant as parents that we are always looking for opportunities. And that might mean sharing your your mess with your kids and letting them know, you know, there was a point where I never wanted my kids to see me cry. Like I never wanted them to see me like that because I always wanted to be the strong mom. And then I realized like, well, if they never see me cry, how am I ever going to teach them about the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. So I have to show them even in my weakness, you know what? Yeah, I'm really sad about something. You don't have to go into all the details all the time, but I'm really sad about something. My heart's broken. I'm I'm hurting right now. But you know what? I'm so thankful that when I pray, I just I feel the the love of God. I feel the comfort of the Lord and then allowing your kids to comfort you, you know. So obstacles, I think there's obstacles on every side. There's this culture that is constantly trying to inundate our kids with philosophies and beliefs and lifestyles. So that's always going to be an obstacle. I think our own kids bent toward rebellion. I mean, let's Mm -hmm. just be real. We all have it. You know, so being aware of that, that's where we address that thing in prayer. When we see them kind of going against the goad, we have to bring them back and say, I tell my kids all the time, I have been given, your dad and I, my husband and I have been given the responsibility to train you up in the way you should go. Not the way you want to go, but in the way that you should go. And so understanding that their own bent toward rebellion is going to be an obstacle. And then lastly, I'll say, there are some really good intended Christians who are not godly. And you talked Mm -hmm. about this before. They don't necessarily have a godly worldview. And so sometimes people's advice can be an obstacle. When you're trying to raise your kids in the Christian faith and other people say things to you like, that's that's a bit much, or I wouldn't do that, or I don't really feel like that's necessary. Like we have to be really careful of who we take our advice and our wisdom from, that ultimately that might be how you're going to raise your children. But this is the mantle that God has given me. And this is where God has shown me this is how I need to raise my children. Mm-hmm. That is so true. You don't answer to those other people. You answer to God. So keeping that in mind, those are such great advice, such awesome advice. Thank you so much, Dana. I just want to say, yeah, you know, we've I love what you said about the Holy Spirit, especially we've been in a season of kind of grief in our home. Mm. We had two funerals last week. 
one of a, someone who was like a brother to me and an uncle to my kids. And we all attended that funeral. And then my son had a, a friend who died in a freak accident. Oh. And at that, at, you know, just should never happen. And you're like, Lord, you know, letting your kids see you walking through life. And, you know, I went to one of my kids. Uh, our kids are different, you know. Went to one of my kids and I said, look, it's okay to be angry about this. It's okay to be angry, you know, because God could have healed our friend who had leukemia, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. And God could have prevented that accident and he didn't. It's okay to be angry. And because frankly, I was angry. And I, I, you know, and one of my oldest, she was like, look, I'm angry right now. And there's nothing you can say to make me not angry. And I said, you know what? That's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm right with you. And she saw me walking through that. And I, you know, I actually spoke at one of the funeral of our friend and talked about that. Where do we go when we're angry? What does the scripture say to people? And I shared about that. You know, my son, I went to my son whose friend had passed in this freak accident. I said, it's okay to be angry with God. His response was, why would I be angry? He didn't do this. Two very different responses to the exact same situation. And both of them are valid and both of them are are fine and frankly i was closer to my daughter's response personally because i prayed all those healing scriptures over my friend Mm -hmm. but these are discipling moments when you know i'm probably gonna have to do a whole podcast on how to respond to tragedy because it just it's a hard thing for kids they see it they experience it my kids are experiencing this and so these are discipling moments whether it's vaping or whether it's you know what they're seeing on tv or you know what this other home is has happening in their home versus our home or whether it's tragedy you know like it's just been a season of grief and okay my kids are gonna see it sometimes i'm just mommy's cooking dinner and she's crying again you know that's okay. Yeah. So I really appreciate you pointing out that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And so I can't thank you enough for being here today and discussing how we can reach this next generation for Christ. And like you said, it's not our, you know, we can't make the choices for them, but we can certainly set them on the right path. We can train them the way they should go. And it says when they are old, <laughs> they, will not, they might have a little season there <laughs> in their 20s and 30s. And so didn't some of us. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, and, and continue praying. That's so important. Why don't you share with our listeners where they can find out more about your your podcast and your ministry? Mm-hmm. So my podcast is called Real Relationship Talk, and they can simply just go to realrelationshiptalk.com and find out more about me and uh, just kind of what I do. I'm a marriage coach. So I have such a heart and a passion to see couples really learn how to love one another again and how to connect back to the heart of the father, which is really what connects us to one another. So, yeah, that's probably the best place for them to go. RealRelationshipTalk.com. Oh, that is so awesome. And she, you just wrapped up a, what I saw was a really cool series on on love yes. and how what love is, because our culture is defining it all wrong. And you go deep into that and long. You've got so many great podcasts. I've listened to quite a few on, you know, the marriage relationship, the stronger your marriage is if you are blessed to be married and have a spouse, the the stronger you're going to be in your discipling efforts to your kids. Not to say that you can't do it the single parenting way. God does provide. I have, you know, a dear friend right now who's a single parent who wasn't just a week ago. And, you know, through the tragedy of losing a spouse. But God will be there with you through that single parenting journey as well. But the stronger your marriage is, if you're blessed to be married, 
the better you're going to be able to disciple your kids. So I encourage you to check out that podcast. You're going to love it. I know you are. Moms and dads, you know, we've got to be intentional about discipling our kids because Jesus charged us with the awesome responsibility of making disciples, not converts. And that great commission starts in the homes with our own children. We don't want our kids to just believe in God. We want them to know him. Now, in the next episode, we will be continuing our conversation on Gen Z with a brilliant guest. Jonathan Morrow is the author of several books. He has a master's degree in divinity, a master's degree of philosophy of religion and ethics, a doctorate in worldview and culture. Yeah, you know, this guy is a heavy hitter in the field of apologetics. And he is the director of cultural engagement and student discipleship at Impact 360, a program I cannot wait for you to learn more about. Jonathan is going to join us for a couple of episodes. First, we will be talking about how to relate to Gen Z. Yeah, there's a big generation gap there. Then we will be talking about the specific obstacles this generation is facing from our culture. This guy knows. Yeah, you know, he's an expert. And frankly, what he shares will blow your mind. You don't want to miss it. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. Uh, And be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.